Mr. Andrew Diamond. Jonathan Yee. How are we doing today? I, you know, after that episode, we're doing fantastic. <laughs> I entirely agree with you. I think that was an amazing episode. It was, I mean, we're, we're talking all this good stuff about it, right? But what happened, man? Well, the people haven't heard it yet, but what they need to do is listen to this amazing interview that we had with uh, Edge from U- United Launch Alliance. He gave us some great insight. Uh, he's a quality engineer down there, and you know he he was gracious enough with his time to come down and talk, tell us what he does and what it's like working at a real launch provider, launch company, uh, and a huge one that's doing some really amazing stuff in the next few years. Right. So if you guys are you know interested in ULA, if you guys are interested in launch vehicles, if you guys are interested in what it's like you know to transition from school into being an engineer and all that good stuff. I think this is a really good conversation that you guys will really enjoy. Extremely informative. I really enjoyed talking with Edge. Ed, a- Andrew, I'm pretty sure you did too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So guys, take a gander, take a listen, and I hope you guys enjoy this. Absolutely. Hey, my name is Edge Merton. I am a quality engineer at United Launch Alliance. And just a quick disclaimer, I do not represent United Launch Alliance in any way, shape, or form. All thoughts are my own. Nothing that I say here is officially endorsed and or sponsored by United Launch Alliance. And everything that I am saying is of my own accord. Thank you. Jonathan Yee. Mr. Diamond. We have a very special episode today. I entirely agree. And I'm not going to botch this at all, so I'm going to let the man (laughs) introduce himself. We're here with Edge. Edge, go ahead and tell them who you are and what you do a little bit, and you know, introduce yourself. Hello, and thank you guys. It is, it is a pleasure to be on the podcast here. Um, but yes, my name is Edge Merton. I am a quality engineer uh, for United Launch Alliance. Um, we are a launch service provider uh, here in the United States, and we launch satellites and people soon. That's right. It's so crazy to think like, you work for, I mean, I know it's it's like, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be working at some point. But I I mean, outside of, we have a friend um, uh, who works at, <laughs> Paul, Paul. Yeah, oh, okay. I was, like, I was like, which friend are you talking about here? <laughs> but I, other than Paul, I really don't have like, you know, many connections or friends in industry. So to, for you to say like, I do, I work for a company that literally launches, you know, satellites and at some point people into space. It's pretty crazy for me. And it, I mean, I'm sure it's crazy for you every day. This is your job. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a pretty, it's a pretty odd. Uh, I, I consider myself very, very lucky. Um, it's, uh, it's very high pressure. It's very rewarding. I will say um, one thing that I've been, I've actually been realizing it a lot these last two weeks is that um, before starting, uh, before starting, like before working in industry, um, I was a fan of rockets, right? And uh, I would watch the launches and follow the companies and whatnot, and it was really cool. But then once I got in it, 
and I'm actually working on these things, I will say the highs got so much higher and the lows got so much lower. So like when I, when I, oh when I watched Mars 2020, right, that was, a, that was my first launch with the company. Um, that Jeez. was a, a wow, flag. Super a, exciting. Yeah. That was a flagship NASA mission. They, they only have missions like that every, every once in a while. They, they do missions frequently, but the big ones, right? right. And I'm just like, oh my God, it, watching it was so rewarding, but knowing everything that could go wrong just made it like, it made it that much more rewarding, but then that much more nerve wracking at the same time. So it's, so it's, were you there? You got to see the launch live in person? No. So I, okay. it, it was during like normal working hours. So the cool right. thing is every, because of COVID, um, we, we, we kind of just like hung out at our desks and watched the launch. Um, generally we'll drop a massive screen in the middle of the factory and everyone will go hang out and <laughs> watch the launch and cheer, I guess. I haven't been there during a launch like that. So, um, haven't witnessed it yet because we still have the COVID restrictions or whatever, but, um, that that's generally what would happen. Yeah. I mean, I could imagine, I know that like if I saw something, cause you know, you played a part in that, even if, you know, you haven't been there for like, even if you haven't been there for that long, you still played a part for in it. And I know that if I, I think that my first launch, if I get to see one or whatever I end up doing, I think I would like literally cry. So I could imagine you just having like so many different emotions going on all at once. Cause it's just all this hard work and soul that you've poured into it. And you're watching this, you know, launch vehicle take off and you, you hope that everything goes right. Your work is done correctly. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's just, it must be like an insane feeling. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it, it's a very, very good feeling. It's a, it's a rush. I consider it like one of the, the eighth wonder of the world, right? There's, there's, it's the, in my opinion, and I'm very biased, it's the pinnacle of engineering. There's, there's nothing cooler. There's nothing more difficult, but there's nothing more rewarding about it. Some people would probably disagree with that, but you hear that Johnny? <laughs> oh man. No, no. I, you know, everybody has their own opinion and here I am with airplanes, but Hey, I have my thing for rockets too, you know, and we'll just say that aerospace is quite up there in terms of engineering. That's, that's, that's the generalization I'm happy with going with, you know? I mean, I, I have so many questions for you about like ULA specifically, because you just said like you, you guys would typically pull like roll out a screen or whatever, drop a screen and in the middle of the floor. So are you as, so before I guess we get into that, what do you do at ULA? Okay. Yes. Yes. I think, I think that's a good place to start. Um, and even before that, I, I think I kind of want to go in a little bit to my background, where I'm from. Yeah. What, yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Um, so I, uh, graduated from Clemson university, um, spring of 2020 with a bachelor of science in industrial engineering. Um, now this is a little quiz for you guys. Do either of you guys know where Clemson University is? I'm gonna say somewhere on the eastern side of the U.S. Yes, I, yes. I would agree, but I have no idea where. <laughs> okay, is it so, okay? Yeah, just go on. <laughs> Clemson University. It's it's a it's a public research institution in upstate South Carolina. So it's uh, up in the mountains of South Carolina. There's like twenty two thousand, twenty eight thousand, something like that. But the College of Engineering, there's seven colleges. College of Engineering has like 9,000 kids. So pretty pretty big engineering school. Um, wow. It's a, I think it's R, designated R1 research institution. So they do a lot of 
research. Um, so yeah, so I studied industrial engineering. Um, industrial engineering is is different than aerospace and mechanical. I think I think when you think of rockets and you think of space and stuff like that, aerospace engineering is the first thing you go to. But launch companies, whether it be NASA, ULA, SpaceX, they have far more engineers than just aerospace engineers or mechanical right, engineers right. for that matter. Um, industrial engineering is essentially um, the the old verbiage I like to use is if a mechanical engineer can teach you how to, or let's put it this way, if an aerospace engineer can show you how to build a rocket, an industrial engineer could show you how to build 10 rockets in a month, right? So essentially hmm. just how to make things faster, better, cheaper, um, and very systems oriented. So depending on what program you look at, it's going to be industrial and systems engineering. My program, which is called industrial engineering, but that's kind of semantics. So um, mm -hmm. that's that's my background. Um, and it, it's interesting because uh, when you think of aerospace, you don't think of South Carolina. <laughs> you think of Florida, <laughs> you think of North Alabama, you think of L.A., um, Denver. That's a really hot spot for aerospace. Yeah. Um, so I was not exposed to aerospace at all. Um, in college, a lot of my professors were really, really deep into the automotive industry. And so mm. because of, that's where they got their research funding from, that's what they were doing for their research. Um, that's where they were doing consulting at. So like I was taking tests, my, my test, whether it be a scheduling class, a statistics class, a, a statics class, it, it was all examples on how can we build this many more drive shafts or how can we like mm. build, you know, this type of i don't know windshield or something just random stuff that had to do with cars and i was like i hate cars i hate automotive <laughs> I, I don't want to do this at all so um i uh just started applying to internships i i always thought defense was very fascinating i always thought defense was very rewarding um whether it be just the national security right that i kind of took some pride in that and so i applied to ula um, for an internship and I landed an internship in the, uh, summer of 2019. So I was actually in Cape Canaveral for an entire summer. Um, and that wow. was, I could talk about that for an entire episode, but, um, <laughs> that was, that was probably the best summer of my life. Um, truthfully, that's where I really fell in love one, just because of all the hardware that I was around all summer, but two, just the history, right? So you're driving right, around right. base and it's like, yeah, this is where Apollo 1 caught on fire. And like, this is where these astronauts died. Or you drive a little bit further down the coast and it's like, this is the house that the shuttle astronauts would stay in for quarantine. Like, Dang. and I'm like, Dang. what? So you like, saw why? it all. Yeah, right? It, it, it's, it, it was mind boggling. So um, fell in love. They liked me and offered me and uh, here I am. They, I didn't get to stay in Florida. They sent me to North Alabama, but so now I work in the manufacturing uh, facility where we actually produce our boosters and our, our second stages, um, hmm. building rockets. So. so you're doing you're doing basically like what everybody wants to. You're at the you know warehouse. You get to see hardware. You get hands-on hardware experience basically, and you're around that all the time. That's what like everybody wants. It seems you know, all the time. Yeah, yeah. I um it's 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 really cool we um the, the difference between the 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 like production site and the launch site is that 
um, at least ULA in our case, we have two pads on each coast. So I don't really know if there's ever been a case where we've had all four pads occupied by rockets, but at the most, we would have two rockets down in the Cape. And we did have two rockets down in the Cape when I was there. So we had a Delta IV medium, uh, a single stick. It was GPS-3 was being processed. And we had AEHF-5, which was an Atlas. Um, and so those two those two vehicles were being processed at the same time. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Two rockets. Like, that's wild. I go to the production facility, and we're, we're 30 missions back. I'm like, what in Jeez. the – just rockets. Every, so it's it's – it's wild. Just hardware everywhere, rockets everywhere, hands-on. Very neat. So so what you're telling me is to be hands-on, I, I need to be in quality. <laughs> I need to be a quality engineer, not an aerospace engineer. So that's what I'm hearing right now. <laughs> maybe, so, I, maybe I majored in the wrong. <laughs> uh, I mean, so so here's the thing about, about quality is that, like, regardless of the program, regardless of the, the area, regardless of the um, – the manager, like every, every area within the, the building has quality, which means I don't necessarily have to be so zoned in hyper-focused on one system. I just, I, mm -hmm. I'm able to go address a problem in the weld center. Let's say we're welding a dome onto a barrel for a new Vulcan, like a, a new Vulcan rocket, or two hours later, I might need to go to like final checkout because, um, we're installing an RD-180 and, there there's an, there's a possible issue a technician has a question so very fluid like very i can hop around like really wherever is needed and i i think that's a cool thing about quality in I my see. opinion that is so I, crazy that is like that's i would argue like one of the dream jobs like you get the best of both worlds like you get to just see the I mean, I guess I don't, maybe I don't have the best understanding of quality because basically all I know is what you just told us. But <laughs> I mean, I, I could like, that would be great. Like you're working on the, the Vulcan, which we could go into later if you want, but yeah. that's crazy. Like that you're helping do that. You know, it's like never been done before type thing. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I mean, essentially the gist of the gist of quality, and this is, can kind of go back to the whole, uh, like what I studied and whatnot, but industrial engineering is all about, like I said, making things better, making things faster. And so a lot of industrial engineers find their way into quality because a lot of what quality is, is taking the drawing that the design engineer made and, the and using the model and then uh, working face-to-face -face with the technicians. So the people who are actually putting hands on rockets, turning wrenches, uh, using tools to literally build the components together and making sure that those technicians are building what they have in front of them to the paper that the engineer designed. So as you guys know, engineering, at least, or excuse me, aerospace is quite a lot of paperwork, unfortunately, but uh, that, that's, that is one of the downsides of the, of the job is a lot of paper pushing, but a lot of paper pushing because we got to make sure it's right. We got to make sure it's what the customer wants. And right. most of the time, the customer is the Space Force, NASA, the Air Force, and they don't mess around. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is the realistic aspect, though, right? Paper pushing. But it sounds like you might do a little bit less than I would, I would say other people that might be in engineering because 
I, I know my understanding is I, I'm trying to go into a field of flight testing and I'm trying my best to stay away from paperwork, but my understanding is everybody kind of deals with that in engineering. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my understanding of it as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's just the reality. Like even our hardcore, hardcore design people, they, they do plenty, they have to do plenty of paperwork. Um, right. Whether it be the hardcore design people, the production people. Uh, there's that, yeah, that just happens to be the case because a lot of the stuff that we're going to be putting our hands on, or it may not literally be our hands, but what we work on may cost either lives or millions of dollars, right? Certainly, and, certainly. Yeah, you got to you got to you know document everything. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think one thing I have learned about working in launch services is how much like you're you're offering a service, right? And regardless of whether or not like you're selling hamburgers or you're launching rockets, like it's about customer service. And so right. the transparency with the customer, if, if the government knows like that we are taking care of their product and we're providing a good quality product, then they have that confidence to continue to use us and continue to trust us and give us leniency here and there or really whatever. But it's all about like, having ensuring that confidence with the customer that we are providing a service that they are going to be pleased with and we do a pretty right. good job at that <laughs> yeah i think i think that's like a really good point to make because that's something i didn't i don't think i realized prior to being in the department here at cpp but i think that like the idea of a like a, a rocket and like a, the idea of a launch is so people tend to not realize that just like you said, it is a service and you are providing that service to a customer and it's a paying customer. And that like, you know, just like you said, any other service has to, has its quirks and, you know, things like that. And just because it's a rocket or a launch doesn't make it any different from anything else. And I think that's like something super odd to think about, but it is very true. And I think that also, maybe that's more a focus of our senior design class and that's something that we haven't necessarily got into mm -hmm. but i think that's something that is definitely super important to think of as you you know do 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 these designs i guess because you are providing a service and at the end of the day that you know that customer has to be okay with what they're getting provided right absolutely right. absolutely um i i i i'm grateful that i learned that sooner rather than later one of the first assignments i was put on um as i was asked by my manager's manager to um put together some data put together some charts uh, and turn them in because we have a we have uh meetings with the customer where we explain what's going on and we we talk about and we'll have commercial meetings and government meetings and uh depending on the type you know depending on the time of the year is when that is that when that meeting happens but um so I made the charts, right? And I was, I was like, all right, well, here you go. You know, you can hear these charts here, here they are for your meeting. And it's like, oh no, like you're coming, like you're, you're presenting the charts. Oh, and wow. so there was people from the space force and people, and this is when the space force was a relatively new idea. So I was just kind of tripped out at how cool that was to actually see one, <laughs> of, one of them in real life. Right. So it's like, it's the, real the space force and the air force and the, uh, you know the the all the different government partners that we that we work with and i'm just a 22 23 year old kid giving them the lowdown on these massive vehicles and so that kind of struck like the 
fear like, slash oh, this un- is real. Yes, and this mm. is important, and this is why it matters. And so, luckily, I, I've I've gathered that perspective over the last few months. Right. I feel like that customer relationship with an engineer is not something that we. I still have no grasp of it, to be honest. Like as much as you, Edge, are saying that this is a thing, and I'm hearing you talk about customers so much which for me is blowing my mind right now, actually, as we speak. I don't know, Andrew, is that what you, you what you feel too? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like they're, <laughs> you know, that, that is your customer that you're, they're not there. Yeah. It's just a weird it, thing to yeah. think of. Cause what we're taught in school, right. Is, Hey, do analysis. Hey, um, crunch data. Hey, like, you know, design something. Right. But we're, we're never told the other end of the story which is you're doing it for someone. Right now we're doing it for the teacher. We're doing it for the sake of our degree. We're doing it for the sake of education and knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. But in the future, it's not really going to be that. It's going to be literally for the customer. Yeah. Well, so like, but it, what Edge was saying is that, you know, a lot industrial, which is tied to this, is also tied to systems engineering, right? Mm-hmm. And systems kind of does teach that, right? Like, you know, right, don't make a product right. unless you have... Uh, a pink like somebody a design case or whatever it was whatever Dobbs said but it's still think to it's it is still weird to think about and um it is like really important to think of but at the same time even though we're not taught that it, i think it should be taught but at on the same hand that's not necessarily our like quote-unquote expertise right where our manager is going to come to us and say hey this has to be designed how can we do it they're kind of the ones that need to be thinking of that higher level type thing. Mm-hmm. So I think in some aspects, you know, it's okay to let stuff like that go, but I think that it would make for a more like cohesive workforce and a more systems integrated workforce. Certainly. Certainly. I think as long as you, as long as you have the why as to, as to what you're doing, it one makes you actually want to do it well, stick around with it, stay to it and, and, provide a good product because your name's tied to it but two also you're like i said building that relationship and it, 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 you don't want to be ignorant to that fact because if you're ignorant to that fact i think you're like i said forgetting a lot of the why as to what you're doing and why you're doing it yeah yeah for sure absolutely yeah i mean of course you're not gonna have a business without customers right so <laughs> certainly but we always certainly. forget about that i mean at least i i feel like i would forget about it thinking about my life in the future, you know, in a couple of years, yeah. I feel like I'm just going to be so tunnel visioned. And I'm pretty sure, it, it, do you think some people around you in industry, um, a lot of the fresh engineers that come in, do you think they have tunnel vision and they're more focused on the task at hand than um, the bigger picture with like, let's say customers and the customer interaction that they're supposed to have? Um, I, I don't know. I think, I, I will say this. I don't think that school regardless of where you go does a very good job uh, of teaching that <laughs> right i mean i'm sitting here telling you guys this and it's kind of mind-boggling but i don't think engineering maybe business school does maybe marketing school does but none, none of us did that so we wouldn't know but i don't think engineering right. does a very good job of convincing the whole end end user aspect but i like from what i have seen at ula like the whole we our bread and butter is the 100% mission success. That is what we mm. are focused on. Like that is a very, very big aspect in everything that we do. And so I would say that, that um, a lot of people are 
uh, cognizant of that and understanding of that and, and wanting to provide a quality good. But I could see in other industries or maybe even in other companies to the narrow space, why it wouldn't necessarily be the biggest thing or biggest deal. Hmm. Is it, so is that like your guys's work culture then? Is that something that you experience throughout ULA? Like that's something that's really pushed. Cause I know that each company has their own like work culture and then a motto that they follow as well. So is that something that you experience a lot in ULA? Like we want to provide a hundred percent mission success. Yes. Yes, certainly. Um, like I said, that's, that's our bread and butter. In every employee review I've had with my manager, one of the goals is always continue to pursue that goal of 100% mission success, and that's definitely preached. We, sure. we, we do provide some very good technical – some world-class technical services um, across our capabilities, but that customer, that customer service and that mission success really sets us apart within the mm. industry, in my opinion. Wow. So, I mean, since we're on the topic of like work culture and, you know, environment and stuff like that, like on, on an average, do you know how many launches you guys provide like any, in a year, let's say like a, a, a rough number? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we average, um, generally anywhere between six and eight launches on a good year. We have anywhere from 12 to, i could be getting my numbers completely wrong but if i'm not mistaken a, a high year for us would be something like 12 or uh, 10 to 12 a low year we've done four but if you look at the the history of ula in the last few years um there there's been a lot of change i will say um we have been very very focused on getting vulcan up and running um and, and Getting Vulcan up and running, something that I realized is far more than building a good rocket, right? We can't go put Vulcan on pad 41 and watch it launch. Like, we have, there's so much ground support equipment we have to build, so much technical, like, so much software we have to build, so much hardware we have to build, so many processes we have to figure out how to master and get right within the factory that um, that takes up a lot of time, all while still pumping out atlases still pumping out deltas we we are continue we're, we're working through a development program at the same time of provide of providing like uh, of building rockets and launching them right? right yeah um so like i said over the last few years we've we've been a little bit slower um for um you know a, a com combination of reasons but uh our cadence is about to start picking up and i, I think it's a very very exciting time yeah, I think that like that is also something super important, and I don't think many people realize that like because uh, we're obviously I'm in school and I I don't have experience with like large scale launch vehicles, but the little experience I do have at my school is pretty small scale, and we do like liquids there, um, but so much goes into like the development of even a small launch vehicle and small liquid rocket engine, and it's like so much not only the the launch vehicle itself but it's like the support the support equipment now and so like for instance i'm working on a test stand and so we have to develop the test stand and that test stand has taken you know two three years whatever <laughs> and it's like okay what's next well now we need to test it the test procedure has to be written and that takes you know another year so it's like it's a never-ending like i mean i guess it does end at some point that's the goal but it's like a stack of stuff you have to do just to get to the next step and it's like okay, what happens if you get there and, and it doesn't work? Back to the drawing board, right? So it's just like, it's insane. 
yeah it, it's pretty it's pretty mind-boggling i think working like in this development program and, and seeing some of the things that i've I, i've seen i i've realized i've realized there are some very very niche like job opportunities that will never go unneeded right mm-hmm. so we will always okay maybe you want to work on rocket engines and you, you want to you want to like work on this very very niche thing right that that was going to be much more difficult than maybe dueling the doing the job of like a tooling engineer so i didn't even know what a tooling engineer was before working here but those massive boosters have to sit in something they have to like within the factory they have to sit on a on a on a certain type of uh platformer like a platform to help it move around the factory or just all the different types of tooling that has to support these massive pieces of, of hardware. If you want some job security, go in, go into tooling engineering, learn how to design tools that these vehicles can <laughs> sit in. Right. And that's just one example of the countless other things that going back to it, the, 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 what they don't teach you in school, what, what isn't like idolized, but it's certainly a very important within mm. the enterprise. Right. Mm. Yeah, our our school teaches uh, has a program called manufacturing engineering, and I believe that's like one of the focuses of the school. And actually, so our department aerospace is one of the departments that offer systems engineering, and then manufacturing, I believe, is the other group that also offers a systems engineering course. And huh. it's because they're so you know, like you said, so tied together, and manufacturing is like such a critical thing to have like a whole system top down uh i guess picture of if that's what you want to call it super mm-hmm. important yeah but oh yeah getting back to like you know the the launches um what is like the work environment what's the atmosphere right before a launch like the the week leading up to a launch or is it is it like absolute chaos is everybody panicking <laughs> double checking or is it like hey we did our job we're good we're ULA 100% success rate we're good to that's go. So, that's such a good well, that is a very good question to ask. That's a very timely question to ask because as of right now, we are within a week from a launch. Oh, <laughs> have, okay. Yeah. So we have a launch on Monday um, out of Vandenberg. Wow. It is a Delta Ooh. 4 Heavy. Um, so yeah, so a, a West Coast launch. Delta 4 Heavy is launching a, uh, a mission for the National Reconnaissance Office. And so um, to tell you the truth, I, I think us in the factory we, we kind of resonate more so with that second like line of thinking when that thing goes on the boat or when that thing goes on the plane it's peace out not our problem anymore <laughs> <laughs> they can figure it out because we got we got more stuff coming down the line we have more fires to put out more things to uh, more things to get with right. and it it, it it is cool and there definitely is like a regardless of who you ask they're gonna they're gonna say like they stop and watch the launch and they get that tingly feeling inside of them but it's it's back to business um so it's it's i I like the whole industry of launch services because i don't really know if there's another example where something like something like that happens right so you send your product off and then whether it be three months or three weeks four months whatever whatever time it takes you'll see the next time you see it it's on the pad launching it's like doing something right so 
Right. If you were designing like washing machines or cell phones or stuff like that, like you, <laughs> you, you sell them and you make a profit and then you want to make one better, but we send it off. And then in a, a few weeks or a few months later, it launches and it's, you know, it's a, there's a video of it and it, it's cool. That is true. Yeah. I mean, nothing against people that design washing machines, right? Of course. Right? Of course. Yeah, no. Course, dude, right. I love my washing machine. I've had several thoughts before. Within, I think, the past month, I was like, washing machines save me so much time. I can't imagine using that scrub board. You know? yeah. But I do understand what you mean and the sentiment behind it because, you know, like, one, you could, you know, it's like televised, right? And then the other one is like, it's like everybody has it in their house. Like, I don't have a, I don't have a, I don't have an Atlas Five in my house, you know. So that's it's like an it's, issue, Atlas Five. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, you just you know get one every couple, yeah. every couple of years. Yeah, there's nothing like that. So it, it is crazy. That is a crazy thing to think about. Though I don't know if I will resonate on that level. Or maybe I'll have something different. You know, with airplanes, I was just like, hey, certainly. That's mine. Hey, yeah, you'll hey, get to see it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So, um, I, I think this would be, since we're talking about launches and, you know, future products and all that, I think we could, if you want to talk about the Vulcan and like, uh, so how long have you been with the company and, and has, have you always been involved with like Vulcan stuff or is, since it's relatively new ish, you're, it's the company's maybe transitioning towards that or how's that work? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, like I said, became familiar with the company in summer of 2019. And at that point, Vulcan wasn't necessarily a, a paper rocket anymore. It was it was being built, but the Cape definitely hadn't seen any of that or felt any of that. There were a few things that I worked on that had to do with like GSE modifications. Um, uh, on Pad 41, we had to add some much larger, uh, much larger tanks for fuel just because of the sheer size of Vulcan. It's, you can't use the hardware for Atlas, so we had to do some GSC mods like that, but that's just a tank. At, 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 that's just a tank in a field, technically. It's not a, it's not a rocket, so I didn't really see any of that. But then, a year later, coming coming to, to Decatur and working in the factory, I actually get to see, see the hardware. Um, and so this is kind of uh, going back to what I was saying about uh, quality working being so fluid in, in the different areas so so i i specifically am assigned to an area and i, I work in like the tank weld area so um the different methods of welding that we use for atlas and delta and actually now as we speak um vulcan first flight cert one coming through our work center so um we had i don't i don't know if you guys saw any of this but Currently, we have a, a Pathfinder booster that's down in the Cape. Um, we essentially built one as if it was going to fly. Uh, it went it went through our, our, our factory. Uh, we sent it down to the Cape on the boat. Uh, we, we loaded it up. It's actually sitting on pad 41 right now. Um, we're going to do a wet dress rehearsal, do all that stuff. Um, and that was like our first go around with that. And so... When that was making its way through my area and an adjacent area, I was very, very, very involved, um, doing everything for the first time, trying to figure it out, um, just all hands on deck for it. And then, like I said, we loaded it up on the boat, and 
things actually calmed down a little bit, I will say, but it was hmm. back to business as usual. Cause like I said, we have a manifest to keep up and we have customers to, to build rockets for. So, um, certainly involved. And I think my understanding and appreciation and knowledge of Vulcan expanded throughout that process. But now that we're actually kicking up production and building rockets, building Vulcans that are going to fly, I'm like much more involved with that and learning much more than I was previously. Yeah, I can imagine. That's crazy. When is the Vulcan, when is the first one going to be going up? Is that a question I'm allowed to ask? (laughs) It is. (laughs) It is. It is. And so um, if I'm not mistaken, it is December of 2021. Oh, wow. That's a lot sooner than I recall. Yeah. Yeah. So it is the Astrobotic Peregrine Lunar Lander. So not only is it its first launch, it is its first launch trying to land on the moon. (laughs) That is crazy. Yeah. It is insane yeah so that's you gotta do the first one big yeah yeah and that i i didn't study orbital mechanics because that just wasn't like a requirement but the little bit of orbital mechanics i've tried to pick up and just learning because i'm fascinated with this stuff it i'm if i understand correctly launching into the moon is like not an easy thing so it's pretty cool that that's like the first mission right yeah, we took orbital mechanics, but we're not, we're not by any means orbital mechanics experts. We have gotcha, our, our gotcha. specialties, quote unquote. Okay, but I that is definitely something I was always. It's funny, I I I thought orbital mechanics was going to be one of my favorite classes. So, <laughs> pr- prior to getting into CPP, I actually started reading orbital mechanics books, but it was way outside my league. I had no mm-hmm. business doing this, and. I actually contacted my professor on my physics professor on like, Hey, how can I get into orbital mechanics? Cause he worked at NASA and he was in, um, he was in like, uh, astronomy and stuff like that. So I figured, okay. Hey, I'll ask him, but I, I thought I would be super into it, got into the course and the course is like, it's fascinating, but it's so hard. Like <laughs> it's like, there's you. no, there's no, I mean, some people just get it and like bless their beautiful minds. But <laughs> for me, it was pretty difficult to wrap my head uh, around it. And like, I was one of the students, I think that had like a decent understanding of it, but it's still, I don't think like if somebody was like, Hey, you want an internship in orbital mechanics? I'd be like, I am not your guy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that I have learned transitioning from college to now being a full-time employee and you guys will learn this too is that um you really start to learn what you love and and whenever you you learn what you love you you really start to learn what you love whenever you're not being tested on it anymore so Mm. i would never ever just read orbital mechanics like uh like read articles or watch lectures on orbital mechanics and i would i could tell you for a fact I would be less motivated to do so if I had a test coming up on it because I hate studying. <laughs> right, right. But now that I like, now that it somewhat involves my job a little bit or it's at, at least related to it, I get a real fascination out of reading that type of stuff or reading uh, history on different people that have built launch vehicles or you, you really start realizing what you're actually into when you're no longer being tested on it and you can just learn for the fun of learning. 
Yeah. Words of wisdom right there. <laughs> yeah. Which like brings up a great segue, I think. Yes. If, so like we're, we have no experience and I feel like a lot of the people that listen to this podcast don't have any experience in industry. So how was that transition from college to like a real job and, and, and what was like, this is like a lot, but you know, what were your expectations? What actually happened? Like, how did you have to adjust all those kind of things that kind of come along with your first job in industry? And was it what you expected basically? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think I want to preface by saying this, I was by no means a star student. I graduated with a 2.5 GPA, uh, but I also transferred from a technical school, so I did well that first. So my overall GPA was a 2.7. My Clemson GPA was a 2.5. I took calc, I took vector calculus three times. I took linear algebra two times. I took a coding class that was industrial engineering, like VBA macros class twice. Ugh. I was like not a great student by any means, um, but I was like passionate about stuff, and I knew what I was into. And I could talk to people and I enjoyed solving problems. I just, I could interview super well. I just did not like studying. So if you're <laughs> out there and you're discouraged because you are not doing well, do not, do not fall like to that lie because it, there are plenty of people who are working in industry right now who are not great students, excellent workers, right? Um, yes. Listen to I, the man. Don't. <laughs> Listen to Edge. Don't listen to your professors that are telling you your GPA oh, isn't man. good enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think I, if I had to put a percentage on the stuff that I learned in school that's applicable, it's probably 25 to 35% of like oh, stuff man. that I'm actually using in class. Um, one of the big analogies I like to make is like the getting the engineering degree is like getting your learner's permit and then starting your job is like actually taking the driving test. Um, and you know, you aren't, you aren't going to be good at your job for at least a year, at least a year, let alone two years. And I think your manager, your managers know that if your managers aren't like sympathetic about that, then I don't know. But I, I think you, you are there to continuously learn. Um, but that's, that's my soapbox to get back to the question, transitioning into like real life. Um, so I, I had an interesting situation because I, packed up my car on a Sunday on a Sunday evening in South Carolina and drove to work on a Monday morning in Huntsville, Alabama. So I, I moved six hours across the country. I moved a time first time I'd been outside of the Eastern time zone. Um, and I was just right into it. Um, and I, I think one of the big things was that I, like, first off, we, we worked nine eighties. So, within one pay period, we only have to work nine days, but we work 80 hours. So you get every other Friday off and that's kind of standard practice right. for like a lot of aerospace defense. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so this was like the first time where I, uh, I didn't have enough time in the day to like do the things that I wanted to do. Right. I'm getting off of work at like four or five, five thirty, And it's like, geez, I need to go to bed in four hours, four and a half hours. Cause I got to wake up and get up early tomorrow. So, so definitely like time management about like what you're doing with like your, your real life was a very big realization. Um, uh, da, 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 transitioning into real life. 
Um, one of the really fascinating things going into industry was um, not walking into that place. Like I own the place. I realized that I was dumb and I didn't know. I didn't these, because here's the thing. The people that I was working with, they worked. Some of these people worked Delta two their entire lives. Now they're working at like these people have been building rockets longer than I've been alive. And so right. it would like be wise to listen to what they have to say and not try to come in there and break out all these like, I don't know, things that I learned in school to try to act smart or try to look smart. An interesting thing about like at least our Decatur factory is that a lot of the very successful engineers there started out as technicians. So no college education. They worked as technicians. They were putting their hands on the hardware for long enough. And then they got promoted into those positions of engineering. And now they're some of the people running the places. And so I, I never like walked in there with this like attitude that I was the big, bad engineering graduate. I'm about to show these people what's up. Um, I think that's a really, a really huge thing. Um, also just kind of realizing like being okay with not knowing everything was a really, a really big thing. Um, I, like I said, I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't feel like what I learned in in school was like super duper helpful. So I wanted to learn from those engineers mm. um, as much as I could. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I kind of forgot your question. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that brings up kind of another question though. So like, let's say the first day on the job, if you could remember that far back. And I mean, I'm sure the first day of the job is a lot of paperwork and a whole bunch of boring stuff mm-hmm. too. But if you go back to like your first week on the job, I guess you could say, is it you at your desk absolutely overwhelmed with all these new things that you have no idea about? Or is it like, hey, I remember this from class. Like maybe let me dig back in my notes or something like that. How's that how's that play out for a brand new engineer at at United Launch Lines? Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. I, I think that's that's a, a good way to put it. Um so uh it is it is certainly overwhelming right because fresh out of college it's like you are now getting paid to do what you've studied and worked so hard for over the last few years and that was like for me that was like i I put a lot of pressure on myself and so um because i'm thinking like i'm thinking about the scope of what we do and like i i consider this like the pinnacle of engineering and so i'm I'm putting a lot of stress on myself, but at the same time, um, like we are, uh, you're, you're paired with people who have a lot of experience and who want to see you succeed. And the fact that you're there, like sitting in that chair should be enough, like justification that you deserve to be there. Right. They're not, they're not hiring you on a, on a risk. They're hiring you because they see something in you that you believe. So I definitely think like, maintaining confidence keeping your cool understanding that like you're not going to screw anything up so royally on your first day that they're going to let you go like <laughs> it's definitely about calming your nerves and just trying to get into the into the swing of things and really learning how like y- you might not even look at like engineering for your first week right it's just looking at how the company runs and how the company operates and where you've kind of fit into that company and um and that 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 supersedes way out of aerospace that's really any first job right it's just where you fit into that company what your 
going to be doing their standard practices um and yeah realizing that you don't and you are not expected to know everything right off the bat yeah i couldn't imagine like my first day on the job and they just came up to me like okay andrew we've been working on this really hard problem and you're here to solve it i'd be like whoa hey wait (laughs) a second no no it's certainly more like hey andrew here's your here's your buddy you'll be working with follow them around (laughs) and then that's when you just got to drill them with questions i'm talking about just one after the other just keep hitting them they're literally free encyclopedias for sure dang that i mean that kind of shows like everything that you just said um, kind of just prefaces on the idea that you don't have to be the most knowledgeable or most technically, like, I guess, advanced person to be an engineer, right? Because it sounds like, I mean, what you're saying is like, they're just trying to find someone that's, especially for, you know, fresh engineers that are coming in, they're trying to find someone that's easy, like malleable, able to learn, someone that doesn't have a big head, someone that's not coming in, especially like when you're saying people that worked on the Delta Two, people that were you know, they have so much knowledge behind them, engineering experience. And like, those are the people that are, you know, you want to learn from. And if you think that you're better than them, then, you know, you're definitely not going to learn. You're definitely probably not going to get that far. Um, so that, that it just, I, I don't know if you, have you ever had those moments where you're in awe of those guys that, with the, that, that worked on the Delta two, you just hear what they're saying. You're like, man, how do you know that? Yes, yes, that is actually, I consider, like I said, I consider myself very lucky because that is like a weekly, if not daily feeling. Like I will just start conversations with people and by the end of them, my jaw will just be like on the floor because I'm in such awe of what of what they're saying and like the experiences they have. I think <laughs> this is kind of a side note, but I, I kind of, I kind of like to like, I like to make analogies. And so like my new analogy this week is like, I could not care less about like art or like paintings for that matter. If I were to look at a painting, I, I think it might look cool. I don't really know what went into that. What is behind that? Why it's good. Why people that are into art like that, but we are engineers, right? So we can appreciate a good design or a good product. I'll go out and I'll stand because if you guys watch smarter every day, you'll see like the last section, you have deltas down one side and Atlas down the other. And for a while it was Delta and Vulcan on one side and Atlas on the other. And so I could go out like, and just walk and just stare at the RD 180 and just look at it. And I'm like, this is a work of art. Like this is literally a piece because the heat shield isn't on it. So I can see everything. And same thing with the RS-68 and same thing with the BE-4. Like, it's just these massive pieces of machinery. And I'm like, this is the this is the rise that those art fanatics get out of looking at the Mona Lisa. Like, mm-hmm. I am staring at a engineering marvel, an engineering piece right. of art. And that's when I'm just in awe. And that's like, that, that kind of going back to the whole analogy thing I was talking about. But that's like my, that's something that I'm realizing. Right. That's so funny that you say that because I never really thought about it like that in that way. But it's really true, too, because I have gone to like art exhibits and and museums and stuff like that. 
And I have tried to be that person that's like, hmm, what is this? What does this art say to me? You know? Yeah. And it, it doesn't ever quote unquote speak to me. Yeah. But I could sit back, like I went to the Museum of Flight just three mm-hmm. weeks ago and I got to see the F1 engine. And mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, it's literally insane. Like the the just the engineering behind it. The absurdity. It's crazy. The absurd. And that's like when Johnny looks at like the U2 or whatever it is. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that's that's what it is. And so I, I just think it's crazy. I mean, I, I'm mentioning the aspect about like specifically talking with engineers and just being in awe of their knowledge and then the things that they've been able to do. Because I don't know, Andrew, I don't know if this is something that you experienced, but we were in a project and then someone is an advisor for the project. I don't know if you'd say advisor, but his name's Barnaby Wayne fan. And he just heard us say numbers. And he's like, those numbers are wrong. <laughs> We're like, how do you know they're wrong? And he's like, they're wrong. And he's like, because of this and this and this. And I was like, how does this guy, like, he doesn't have a calculator out. He's not, he's not pulling up Excel sheets or anything like that. He just knew based off of everything else, all the information from him. And he was like, that's, that's really bad. There's something wrong with your plane. And I was like, I want to be like that guy, you yeah. know? Yeah. It, it's just, it, I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, it just blows my mind when I, hear and see these people that have been in engineering for so long mm-hmm. and they have that kind of experience and that kind of i don't know if you'd say head knowledge but our professor always says it's like your engineering judgment and seeing these people have that kind of engineering judgment always blows my mind i'm, yeah. I'm ready to go into industry and get humbled in that way at least yes it's a, it's a <laughs> great it's a great feeling it's a great feeling it's it's interesting because like with engineering at least like in our niche that you know the three of us are so into it's like there aren't really famous you aren't you aren't really you don't get famous for being an engineer with the exception of a few people but like like i think they should be famous because of the free because (laughs) of the like innovation that they i like i said i work in like the weld center and so i work with a a lot of people who i I, there are a few engineers who there's a, a group of them who they have patents on like just world like they have invented certain types of welding that is used across the world in our factory and on these machines that i am now working with and they're standing right there and i get to ask them questions about this welding that they more or less invented or like these methods that they more or less created and so it's just it's a it's mind-boggling yeah one of our professors actually holds like I think thirty patents in aerospace engineering. Like if I don't know exactly in what, but it's crazy to think about. And it's like such an odd guy that you wouldn't expect it. Um, I'll tell you after who Johnny, but um, I know. it it is such on. a such an odd thing to think. But I definitely agree with Johnny, and like I'm ready to be humbled, and I want to have that knowledge. So we have they have this professor who's incredible it's the structures professor and we've named we dropped his name before his name is dr coburn and people like uh, some people don't like his class because he really makes sure you know what you're doing but his (laughs) knowledge in his field and he actually worked for ula for a bit he worked on the delta rocket um he is just in like an amazing stress and an analysis and like i he's actually he teaches in such a way like i don't know if you've ever experienced that you have a teacher that's so good they make the the topic like seem simpler than it really is mm-hmm. which could be a bad thing because you know you could be like oh i know everything about stress analysis because i took you know this class when 
it turns out they were just, you know, teaching you so well that you thought you did. But um, he he's like taught me so much. And I've like really been like, wow, I want to be as good as him one day so I could teach people in the future. You know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I want to build a generation of good engineers, too, just like he is right now. And it's such yeah. a good feeling to be able to work with somebody like that. It's like really refreshing, especially, you know, there's so many not name dropping any specific, but so many bad professors out there that don't care to teach as well, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. it kind of goes along. It, it kind of speaks for itself because our professor, Dr. Coburn, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know Andrew if Karimi did this, but we have a class and in that class, he, as an introduction, like iceberg, he asked every single student in the class, it was like 30 students, like, what do you want to do in industry? And then like, I swear half of them said structures and, and that class is an upper level class. And then like, that means they've already gone through this class called structures. And so, and like for half of them to say structures, and that might be an exorbitant number, maybe but I would say at least 30% for them to say structures just shows like the impact that a uh, Dr. Coburn has. But certainly. yeah, I mean, certainly Andrew, like, don't you, are you considering doing masters in structures as well? Yeah, I, I'm not decided yet. I don't know what I want to do, but I, I think see. I do want to do masters, but that's another great segue. Thank you, Johnny. Because Ed, you are in a master's program right now, right? Yeah, yeah. So I am. I am currently a uh, getting my master's in industrial engineering <laughs> at the <laughs> University of Alabama at Huntsville. Um, so a great benefit of ULA, if you are looking uh, to to work there, is 100% tuition reimbursement. So wow, you get a f any really any f free education that you want. So that can look anything like taking a class and getting a certification or getting a master's and getting a PhD, getting an MBA, doing really anything like that. So that's the little pitch, but yeah, so I'm getting my master's in, uh, from UAH. Uh, it's a local university here, uh, in Huntsville, um, in, in industrial engineering. And, uh, it, it's a really, really cool program. So as if I'm remember, if I'm remembering this correctly, um, whenever like Warner Von Braun, and the boys came came over uh <laughs> and the to, boys <laughs> and the boys they came from came to north alabama um they they needed a school that could like provide that upper education for their for the engineers that were working at the arsenal like on the redstone arsenal at the time and so i think it uh they they started offering like some classes here and there and then eventually that is what uah grew into so a lot of professors have uh, research opportunities with um, NASA, with the DOD, with DARPA, with all these all these aerospace defense based um, research projects. And so it's cool when kind of circling all the way back to what I was saying about Clemson earlier. If I was really into automotive, that would have been great, but I wasn't. And so now that I'm really into aerospace and all these professors are teaching instead of my test talking about drive shafts and transmissions for cars it's talking about uh the heads-up display of an f-16 fighter pilot and how to design that better and how to i get to write research papers on uh comparing the crew dragon to the boeing starliner and those are things that i'm passionate about and now oh, that i cool. get to be graded on them so that's kind of like the material as far as like the structure of the program goes, it's it's pretty basic. So I since I'm working full time, I just take one class a semester, and they're all online. And so this is the first semester I'm, I'm taking a class. I'm currently taking a, a human factors. And it's like human factors engineer engineering course. Um, mm -hmm. So 
how to design systems with the human uh, in mind. I right. think is a good one sentence for one one right. liner for that. Making field. sure that they stay safe, not yeah, not yeah. get hurt. Yeah, right. yeah. It's, so I saw I got to see I went to I, I went to Marshall Space Flight Center in Alabama and I got to see NASA's um, human factors lab. Wow. It's so crazy, it's so cool the work they're doing there. They're using VR mm-hmm. to like validate basically the human factor aspect of it. But it's something that I would never like think a lot of engineers that's why human factors was invented that like how humans actually interact with these systems like this this engineer there was like well what we're trying to solve is how you reach into that like compartment and you tighten that bolt if it's loose it's super specific but it's just this random bolt and he was like you got to tighten it up and i was like oh that's easy you just do like this blah 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 whatever i was like and he was like no because x y and z and i'm like dang that's why that's that's a great point. I never thought about that. So it's like a really, really tricky engineering task to like, you know, not only incorporate this into future designs, but potentially fix previous designs that, you know, weren't considering humans interacting with it. Certainly. Certainly. Right. Yeah. The the whether the the human factors has a lot of applications, whether it be the astronaut sitting in the cockpit or the the technician building the rocket, right? So it's right. a, it's a cool little cool little little field of engineering and psychology, for that matter. But that's kind of the gist of the program. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure if I'm gonna do like a thesis route or just a, a straight course load route. Honestly, um, I think having ju- like a master's and doing a thesis would be cool. <laughs> it's gonna be a matter of time. Uh, maybe that could answer a right, previous right. question. Going back to the big transition between being a full-time student and being a full-time person working working is really nice and not having to go to school is also really nice so (laughs) me and johnny talk about that like he'll he'll be like man i can't wait for the day that i wake up and i'm like i don't have homework to do and i was like man i think that i'll panic like i feel like i'll be like i'm missing some (laughs) that part of my life like i need to do something you know Yeah. yeah yeah a very very uh dark reoccurring dream that i have is that <laughs> i wake up about a little bit past midterms of my uh second semester spring second semester spring semester of junior year and i wake up and check canvas and realize that i have not done one calc 3 assignment and so i <laughs> so they take my degree away they take my they 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 send me all the way back i lose my job and, oh man yeah but <laughs> i see That's, yeah uh, yeah it'd be a nightmare yeah and here, here's something about andrew okay this guy if there's nothing we're, we're kind of a, like on top of our work right now and there's a lot of assignments that are supposed to be due but like we're basically done with a lot of them but right now he's like what do i do next <laughs> and i'm like i don't know what to tell you man like i don't know what to do next and he's like it, it feels wrong i feel like there's something there's something wrong in the universe right now because <laughs> I, I feel like i have to do something i'm like no i think you're on top of everything you just gotta wait for the next assignment yeah. so that's how andrew's like but i'm pretty sure that's kind of like the feeling of you know coming back from work right and you're like what do i do now <laughs> yeah yeah and so it, it's nice to to hang up and just put that leave that at work um, right you know there are certainly t- certainly times that call for long hours and long weeks and stuff like that but the overarching majority is come home and do some errands, play some Xbox, just yeah. veg, veg out, 
right? Yeah, was, work. I mean, that's always the same. Work stays at work, right? Yeah. So that's another question. Is like, do you ever? I, I mean, I've worked jobs before, but they're, you know, pretty simple jobs. Like I worked at Lens Crafters. I was, you know, making glasses, but it was most of the time easy unless I was in a leadership role to like leave work at work. Because once I walked out, I was like, I don't really care what happens. It's not, you know, but I feel like with engineering, it's so different because, you know, if you're de developing a product that has so much go into it, I feel like it would be really hard to walk away from work at, at, and at the end of the night, not think of like what's going on in work, not worry about it, not like bring that home with you and not constantly like, Oh, did I do that? Right. It was I like, was I valid? Were my charts right? You know, stuff like that. Is, is that ever an issue with you or do you just like, are you able to block that out completely? Um, no, no. I mean, that certainly, that certainly is, uh, something that I think about, I, I think for me is that um, the thing the thing for me is that I I want this to be like a long-standing um, like what's the word a, a career that I find like very sustaining I don't want to get burnt out by it and so I try to be very very cautious of like in my young like early career young age now to not like put too much pressure on myself or or just let it absorb me because mm. like i have some very very large goals at least career-wise and things that i want to see happen and I, I know that like if i if i like burn myself out or just get very very wrapped up and consumed with things now that i might get nervous or i might get scared or like i i have to I might get nervous or scared when I begin to get more and more and more responsibility. And so I try to like manage those things, the smaller things well now. So hopefully in the future, I like ha I've just continuously built up those smaller habits of managing things well and knowing how to defuse things and uh, effectively and health healthily work. Hmm. For sure. So like to follow up on that. So, I'm pretty sure you've experienced school stress, right? But how does that compare in as opposed to work stress? Because I, I hear from my friend Paul, and I'm hearing from you as well, that work can be extremely stressful as well. Is there is there a difference? Does one pale in comparison? I, or is it like is it like school is like a slow burn of stress, but work <laughs> is like like a, it just it's just all at once, and then at home you're like ah decompress now. Okay. Um, so, so I would say that if here's a, here's a good example. If you don't do a homework assignment for class, that grade sits in your grade book for the rest of the, for the rest of the semester. Right. And you have to look at right. that. If I don't prepare my charts or get my data correct for a meeting, then I have to deal with looking like an idiot in front of my manager, the other managers at my manager's level, or like my manager's manager. And so it's like, I would much rather avoid that. <laughs> and so it's like, I, I think I can, I have a little bit more motivation to not look stupid in front of those people than I do <laughs> to not look at a zero, like in the grade book, right? <laughs> I see. I That's see. Is that, does that make sense? Is that like, yeah, a... yeah, yeah. And so, so it certainly is stressful and getting that data together is stressful, but at the end of the day, like you aren't, you aren't being graded 
like with a number by your managers. And so it's like, if there's a problem, if I run into a problem and I do go into that meeting and look stupid, like nine and a half out of 10 times, they're going to like follow up with me after the meeting. Hey, Edge, like, what can I do to like get you these answers? Like, what can I do? What can we do to solve this problem? Because at the end of the day, we're all working towards the same thing. We all have a goal Mm. to like get after. And it's not like this sort of grading style system. If they help me out, then there's then a little then a very teeny percentage of their job got easier and vice versa. Right. Right. So with that, another question, would you say school was more stressful for you then? Or would you say work is more stressful? Yes. School was certainly more stressful for me. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Andrew, we're almost there, man. (laughs) We're almost (laughs) there. Well, well, so follow up on the follow up is, you know, you're now you're in a master's program and even though it's your only your first semester, how is that like master's program compared to regular school undergraduate? Because, you know, if somebody's thinking about they want to go into graduate school, does it get easier? Does it get harder? Is it like a totally different experience? Like, how does that work? Um, so I can speak on I, I think I always consider like my situation unique, like I said, because it's the whole I, I never went like immediately after school to do like that four plus one thing where like I wasn't. I was never in graduate school where like it was traditional. I would consider this like traditional school or undergrad. I'm in graduate school where it's kind of like hybrid. It's a little different. And so that's probably the, one of the biggest differences as far as the um, material goes. I took a human factors course at Clemson and we haven't discussed one thing that I learned in that class <laughs> in, in this course. Right. So this is like the graduate level human factors course. And so it's both good and bad that like we aren't discussing things that I know because I'm learning, but bad because I have to like actually study and learn those things more so. Um, so I, I think whenever it gets into more of the analytical stuff, that stuff won't change from university to university, but more of the abstract like psychology type stuff, like it just depends on the professor that you have. So um, as far as like any anyone questioning going into going into a master's program, uh it can only help you it's certainly not required i think that like i said uh experience really over anything is going to 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 set you apart um what you know and how you can solve a problem how you can make yourself irreplaceable to a company is what's really going to set you apart um i i I talked to plenty of engineers who have dealt with that academic type who has the who has the bachelor's, who has the master's, who has the MBA, who just wants to flex their degrees on them and not actually mm-hmm. contribute in a meaningful way. That's a very slippery, dangerous slope. So uh, I, I don't know. I guess it's just kind of all dependent on the what dependent on what your end goal is. Um, mm-hmm. You really have to evaluate that seriously. But in my case, I, I consider it as I almost consider it as like a benefit to my compensation, the fact that there's a tuition reimbursement. So if I wasn't taking advantage of it, then I wouldn't be completely tapping into my compensation, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And right. so I don't mind it. And I would like a graduate degree. I think it's cool. I think my end goal, my end, end goal would <laughs> be to be a professor one day. I right. like when you guys were describing that your your professor who like inspired all those kids to want to go into uh structural design or whatever like 
I would love to do that except with aerospace. And so I, um, I, I don't know. I think just part of the game of being a professor is having at least a grad, uh, at least a bachelor and a graduate and then X number of industry years experience. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I'm thinking of it. For yeah. sure. A lot of our professors, like some uh, quite, we have quite a few professors that have masters and PhDs, but a lot of the like younger professors just have some experience in industry and they're extremely knowledgeable. And it's also like, you know, things have changed since our older professors have been in industry, especially if they're no longer involved. And the younger professors seem to have like the answers to the questions that are more relevant nowadays. So um, that, you know, you, you'd be a great addition to any school if you have that, you know, industry experience and, you know, get some new blood in there, so to speak. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, I guess adding on to the add-on to the add-on, <laughs> how's it like? Because, you know, because some people want to go from, like you said, the four-year plus one, right? But you're going the route of actually working full-time while doing master's. So is, is that workload, how's that workload for you, actually? It's not horrible. It's certainly not horrible. I, I think um, one thing that I have found... Uh, and, and and here's the thing, you got to take what I'm saying with a grain of salt here because mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to oust myself and just go ahead and call it an imaginary engineering degree. Industrial engineering is very different than what you guys are doing. So like uh-huh. I am the, the courses that I'm taking, they are analytical, they are uh, you know, applicable, but they are not some of the things that you guys are doing. So with that being said, I, I will say that um, the, the workload is not horrible. I, I think one thing that helps me out is uh, like sticking – if I if I'm chilling at work and it comes 4, 30, 5 o'clock, I shut my laptop, I'm, I shut everything down for the day, and then I can pull my books out and I can just like study and I can use like the office as an area to study because I can't go to the library because there isn't a library or – I, I don't like studying at my house because, like, this is my resting place, right, and I'm right. not big on like mixing those two. I didn't have very good success with that in in college, and so what I what I learned in school was that I, I wasn't able to do work at home, and so a lot of the times I'd find my I I can find myself like spending an hour two hours after work one or two days a week just like knocking out the work that I have to do and doing what I got to do. So the workload is by no means like impossible. It it certainly Mm -hmm. is like a balance. And at the end, there's that little bit more motivation that it's like, I'm going to have to tell my manager like what I'm getting in this class. And so it's like, (laughs) I don't want to look foolish. (laughs) I see. So, So does that mean that your manager is aware of what you're taking? And do you get approval from the manager to go into a master's program? Yes. Yes. At least for our program. Yeah. Yeah. So, I see. so they're in tune. Uh, you know, it's not like we, we don't sit down and have like talks once a week about what I'm learning <laughs> and how test. I can apply it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> there's, there's none of that. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, they, they're in the know They they know what's going on. I think that they like being in the know more so, so they don't just like overload me with stuff. Uh, I see. So like, it's more so of that, that angle, right? Mm-hmm. Got it. Wow. Sounds like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always afraid of that manager that's going to be like, Johnny, 
It doesn't matter. You said that yourself that you wanted to be in the master's program. You got to understand the workload that you're going to manage. But at the end of the day, you're still a full-time worker. And then just dump loads and loads of work on me on top of school. But it's really cool that, you know, I don't know if this is ULA or if this, if this is your manager, but your manager seems to be like really understanding of the situation that you're in. Yes, certainly. Yeah, certainly. And there's like a lot of communication that seems to go on, like, because you were mentioning how, like, if you present and then there's, you know, the, the charts are not, uh, we'll say like up to par, right? Then the manager pulls you to the side, you know, because I would be afraid to go up to the manager after like, yo, manager, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this was bad. Instead, the manager is the one that instead comes up to you, breaks that awkwardness and say, hey, how can I, how can I help you out? And yeah, that sounds like not... Uh, yes refreshing yeah well i mean if you think about it it's it's totally we're not conditioned to it because for the past you know whatever you're in school for 12 years or whatever no longer than that (laughs) forever uh yeah forever (laughs) my whole life Um, you uh you it's the exact opposite right like you you know put this together and then they're like hey you need to fix this they're not it's you need to fix this. It's not like, Hey, how can I help you fix this? How can I give you the resources that you need? You know? And like I said, there are some people out there that, yes. that want to help, but it's not all of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I can, I cannot stress enough, like how valuable it is from a, from a, a new, um, a new employee to have that like open line of communication. Like, and if your manager isn't going to be the one, is going to set it up then like you're it, it's very important for you to to at least try to establish something because it right. saves you like far down the road and and i think that like i think that um our personality types are those of like super competitive we we all want to do great work we all want to provide very very good results whether it be in school or for our manager and stuff but like I don't know how to say this without just sounding kind of brash, but like, I don't really know how much a manager is expecting out of like a fresh, super green college graduate. Right. right? If I were to put myself in that manager situation, I would want to do everything I can to help them, to get them up to speed, to figure out, be gracious when they screw up. And so I guess I kind of work like with the mentality that my manager has that, mentality mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. they don't and maybe i'm stupid but it seems to be working well so far so <laughs> <laughs> no my friend is a, a manager as well and he, he always tells me he's like yeah like when you come into industry you're not going to know anything and that's like when they interview you there's a, there's a reason why they don't ask us technical questions i, I mean i don't know what, if you got interviewed actually that's like another question too like i wonder if you got interviewed after your internship which i think you do but then like when they interview us it's not like computer science because in computer science, they actually, they have comp site questions yeah. in the yeah. interview. And I can't imagine tr- one trying to get a job and answering all the behavior questions correctly and like stuff like that. Right. But then on top of that, having to actually be technical about things as well, that just blows my mind. I, Andrew, I think, wait, Andrew, did you get asked a technical question? No, I, I never did in any of my interviews. Uh, I never did, but one of our friends did got asked like an extremely technical question and when he told us the question, I was like, dude, I would have like, I would have practically hung up the phone. I wouldn't have been <laughs> under the pressure that he, you're in on the interview. I don't, I wouldn't have been able to right. answer that. But right. uh, like, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's insane. But yeah, but the reason 
of them not asking us technical questions is because it's like, even if we have those answers to those technical questions, it doesn't really show. And again, going back to like, they're just trying to find out whether or not you're malleable, whether you're willing to learn. Right. And yeah. I'm pretty sure you can agree with that. And so like they, like your manager's kind of exuding that culture of like for fresh engineers of, Hey, like I'm just here to make your life easier and get you up to speed. And I understand that, you know, like not much diddly. <laughs> Yeah, diddly. In terms of industry, you don't know much. You might have come in with the knowledge of, you know, four, five, I don't know, X amount of years of school. But at the end of the day, for our industry, for our company, you don't know much. So yeah. here, here's how we do it. And this is what I'm going to teach you for the X amount of time required. And that sounds pretty uh, reassuring for me because Andrew and I are both going to be going to internship <laughs> soon. And we're both, we both know diddly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like one of my biggest fears is like, because i'm going into a systems position and i'm in like we took systems engineering and i'm in a systems project and it's like when i'm afraid that i'm gonna get there and they're gonna be like okay do your thing and i'm gonna be like wait i don't know like what do i you know <laughs> like and they're gonna be like well you know you're supposed to know systems engineering right but i know that's <laughs> not how it is but it's just like a fear in the back of my mind I guess. Mm -hmm. right yeah absolutely absolutely i, I certainly understand that yeah, that's cool though Sounds like yeah. I might want to work at ULA now. Andrew, yeah, I was going to say, man, Dude. you sound like a converted man over there. <laughs> we, got some, we got some cool stuff coming up. We just won a pretty massive contract the other day, matter of fact. Wow. We, uh, it was nine. So we, so Amazon, they're doing uh, like a low Earth orbit uh, internet it's constellation. not good enough, huh? Right. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> I was just making a joke, man. I, get, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so they're doing, the company that's better. So they're doing a low Earth orbit, uh, like internet constellation, and so they bought nine Atlas V rockets. So Jeez. that's a big deal. Anytime Jeez. you can sign that many, that many launches, it's right. definitely job security. That's cool. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I, I'm, I have a very side question here. Yeah. Because yeah. I know that you're in Decatur, right? It's near yeah. Huntsville, yeah, and I believe yeah. Destin is out there. Destin, have is you out ever here. seen him? I have not, but I uh, I really want to run into him somewhere. <laughs> like that was one of the things coming to Huntsville was like <laughs> I really really hope I I run into this dude at like a Publix or something <laughs> like the grocery store. Yeah. Just I've not I've not seen him though. He he does like he does videos all the time of like local attractions or like I said he toured the plant and did all that. But not right. that video is so cool. Him. Yeah. For, if anybody's listening and doesn't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Smarter Every Day. Yeah. And yeah, his video, he has this really cool of ULA. He goes on the tour. And for me, that was like such a cool, because I got to see, like, I like hardware. I like, that's my thing. And um, it was just really cool to see, like, all the, you know, shells, I guess, whatever you want to call them, um, just lined up and going through the process. It was awesome. And that's like where you work. So it's even cooler. Yeah. 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 Hey, that's, that's crazy. The yeah. things that you work on are, you know, and especially with the way that space is going right now with Artemis missions going and, you know, oh my gosh, I can't imagine it. Exciting times are definitely upon us, especially with, you know, James Webb is going to go up this, you know, October. And then, like you said, a moon lander, geez, when, when's the last time we had a moon lander? Yeah, a know. long, a long time. So uh, it, it, it really is. I, I, I consider myself very lucky every single day, just the the stuff as the industry as a whole where it's going but like the the stuff that like 
I just get to see and and like you said, we do ICPS for SLS, so we're doing the first three Artemis missions, right? So mm. Artemis one, two, and three. That's supposed to be the missions that NASA puts people on a NASA-made rocket again for the first time. So and we have right. that second stage sitting right there next to my desk, so I can just walk out and see. It's <laughs> it's it's stuff like that, and we have the Starliner program going. We have um, Vulcan running up. We have just all the science and all the defense and the all of that. It's 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 wild. That's crazy. I can imagine like me one day like being super stressed out and you know being like, ah, is it worth it? But like then going a being able to walk out on the floor and seeing all this stuff and you're like, okay, yeah, it's worth it. Like this is what makes it worth it. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Regardless here's of another, the hey, Here's another dumb question to ask. Do you ever just walk by the line and touch everything around you? <laughs> no. no. No, no, no. Big no. You're not allowed to. <laughs> no, I, I try to keep my hands to myself. <laughs> I, so you you haven't even slipped one touch. I'm kidding. Oh, I mean, <laughs> no, so, some duty calls. Like sometimes I literally have to put my hands on things, but I try uh, okay, to. Okay, for I sure. I try to not yeah it will like if they're like yeah you can't touch that then oh my gosh i i have a hard time just like when when i'm at ikea i will touch everything there, <laughs> which now is not a good time to do right <laughs> yeah so right. i'm like i was joking my girlfriend i'm like i just lost like another sense <laughs> like <laughs> i but you know i'm pretty sure if i was out there on the floor i would not i would definitely not be able to touch stuff out there maybe it's different for airplanes though because airplanes yeah Johnny, he sent me. He went to an airspace museum, and he sent me a picture of him touching an SR seventy one like stabilizer. <laughs> and he goes, "There was no signs not to touch it, so I touched it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and it was. Oh, I was, I was just gonna say, Johnny. So you're, you're you're very into airplanes. Have you ever considered making your way out to South Carolina to 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 build some airplanes? Oh, I mean, I'm I'm open to everywhere at this point. Yeah, I'm open to you know. I don't know if this is a thing. Maybe you have a desire because you've you've been in South Carolina your whole life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, have you ever had a desire to go to California? Because that's where um, we are. Yeah, certainly to visit. I don't know about I don't know about living out there. <laughs> oh wow! wow. Um, definitely, definitely to visit. I, I think that would be very neat. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think um, one of the one of the cool things about California, I will say, is the industry out there, right? So in LA, LA is a, just saturated with aerospace. And the, yeah. a really cool space right now, I think, within industry is like the amount of startups that are like breaking in to, to aerospace and like the launcher category, right? They're mm -hmm. all out of LA. And, and it's really cool. You have companies like one of them is literally called Launcher. I think Astra, Astra is out of Cal is out of LA if I'm not mistaken. Um, there are a bunch of just little little companies that are, are popping up that are right. doing like super cheap rockets that are popping up out of LA. So yeah, there's we have Skunk a squadron here too. Skunk, Skunk Works out is, there. Skunk Works is near LA. Yeah, it's okay. near LA County. So yeah, Phantom and then Works. we have Phantom Works. Yeah, is, Phantom yeah, in, Works. in Long Beach, I believe in Long Beach. I might be wrong. Please do not crucify me. El Segundo is El Segundo nearby. Yeah, El Segundo. Yeah, yeah wait. Yeah, that's that's north of Grumman, right? I think. Yeah, El Segundo just has everything. Yeah, Rocky, Boeing, north Rocky, of there all. Yeah. 
yeah Damn, and then san diego's really big it's just the the entire state is basically and then you know in hawthorne is spacex mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we like andrew I, I know that we've both driven by spacex multiple times i, I i've never seen it never I, I i go the opposite way but i always think about how california is such an odd state to have arrow in because it's so expensive out here and i'm afraid that just one day because i love california i don't plan on moving i mean i've considered da- dabbling in denver just because Denver is like the next big aerospace place. Yeah, aerospace um, alley. Yeah, but I I like California, and so I kind of want to stay here, and I'm afraid that one day all the companies are going to be like, man, California is too expensive. Let's go somewhere else, and I'm going to have <laughs> the, no choice but the to The exodus, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I was just asking because California is – a lot of the people that I've talked to, they're like, no, nah, I'm seeing California for, for the rest of my life. And I was like, that's crazy. But for me, I'm not – I'm not as tied to the state. Of course, I always hear about bad weather, but hey, um, I the only time we see snow is like when we go to the mountains, <laughs> and the coldest that we get in the like, and this is like in the morning is like we'll get down to I think the lowest I've ever seen is like 38. Holy smokes! And so yeah, that's the <laughs> coldest smokes. it ever gets. Like, and you know the hottest it gets is probably like you know in the hundreds, but that's like during the summer. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, we average like I want to say like 70 degrees is is our weather and i know that's that's a pretty pretty big yeah yeah you guys i would take i don't think any amount of money could convince me to go live in alabama with your guys's humidity (laughs) it is like so i went there for you know to go visit nasa it was so humid that like i went outside and i was just like ah it like i just it engulfed me yeah, my yeah. friend, my friend puts it like this. He said when when he came to California, the heat is like slapping you in the face, but then on the East Coast, the heat hugs you. It <laughs> just it just wraps around you. So I was it's like, bad. dang, dude. If yeah. I it, days in the Cape, if I knew I was going to be out like on a pad working, like for a considerable amount of the day, you just had to bring a change of clothes. Like it's not bearable. Because wow. what happens is you have you have these little. This is why like so many launches get delayed, right? You have these little storms that pop up, dump rain. It's already 98 degrees, and so it just cooks. And then the humidity is instantly up to 100, and you're like, what the heck just happened? It's Dang. it's pretty rough. <laughs> I think our humidity average is like 30, 30% or approximately. Yeah, it's, it's nothing. It's yeah, crazy. why don't they launch more out of Vandenberg? What the heck? Well, that's actually a great question. So... The reason you would launch out of Vandenberg is for polar orbits, right? Mm. So you, the reason you, a polar orbit is generally for missions in which you are wanting to look at, you're wanting to take a picture of the earth. So with a, with any other orbit that is an orbit, you'd launch it out of the East coast because you're using the rotation of the earth for like extra oomph to get you out yeah. into mm-hmm. orbit and so that's where like a lot of communications and data transfer uh constellations sit is out there and leo and out there and and geo and all those that go out of the east coast but polar on the other hand that's where you have a lot of weather satellites so um satellites that are constantly taking picture of the, of the environment and uh mm-hmm. getting a, a good like understanding of that so we also launch um, national defense uh, missions out of Vandenberg. And so um, 
you can kind of put two and two together there and maybe get an idea of what's going on there. But, uh, yeah, so for sure, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the whole deal with Vandy. I'm, I'm ashamed to say, I think I recall learning that in my orbital <laughs> yeah. mechanics class. Yeah. I was going to say, come on, Johnny, you know this. Hey, Andrew, Andrew was better at orbital mechanics than I was. No. I just, yeah. Yeah. So. But I see, I see. Dang, that's crazy. Well, uh, you know, Edge, we're getting towards the end of the episode. Do you have any questions for us at all? I mean, you don't, by no means you don't have to, but if you do, we'll be glad to take them from you. I know we didn't tell you that, you know, we'd be asking, but if anything popped up in your mind over the past hour and a half talking, um, you feel free to shoot them. Um, not so many, not, not so much questions. I, I really just want to like, I don't know, congratulate you guys. Like, thank you guys. Like, what you guys are doing here is like really really cool like i have ideas all the time of like different types of media that i want to make whether it be twitter or youtube or tiktok or just like talking about space and talking about aerospace but like i i I don't know i don't do it because i think it's going to be stupid or i think someone's going to think it's dumb but like you guys actually are like sitting down and like doing this and like the reason i found out about you guys was like a reddit post it was like our <laughs> space or our engineering students or something like that. But like, I was just like, Hey, I'll, I'll check these guys out. Like I, I like listening to aerospace and you guys just seemed like cool dudes. And you're actually like out here doing it, which is like the step that the other 99% of people aren't willing to take is like actually doing it. So like seriously, serious props to you guys. It's not a very common thing for like engineering students. So I think you guys have like a really cool platform here and, whatever you decide to get into, you guys are both going to be very, very good at it just from what I can tell. So you guys are definitely set up for a really cool future and I'm excited to see what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. It really does mean a lot. And I think it's like a really good point. We've never talked about this on air, but it's fine too. Um, When I, when we first started, like this was our idea and we were like, yeah, let's have fun with it. You know, who cares if it doesn't take off, if people don't like it, whatever, we're having fun with it. It's something we want to do. But when I posted it for the first time, I was, I felt so exposed. I felt like, wow, people are judging me. People are like looking in like, oh, this is stupid. Who's going to listen to that? And so I felt so like exposed to the world. And then people were like, wow, it's really cool that you guys are doing this. So like, as you know, more and more people here and more and more people like we, we, Got I got a message today on Reddit from this student who's currently in JC and he was like, you guys have been super helpful and like I'm transferring into the program and because of you guys, I'm applying to all these different programs too. And I think that's what we want to do because like Johnny said today, he was like, I wish I had this when I was in JC and like that's all we're trying to do. So, you know, from hearing it from him and hearing it from you that you guys think it's awesome, like really makes our day and makes it worth it for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, anytime anyone ever asks me about how to break into the industry or what to do as a college student, like you, like every single thing, like the little script that I tell them or give them, like that is covered in y'all's episode on like <laughs> internships, but then like times 10, like you guys like cover stuff that I never even knew. And so like, I, instead of just telling people, I just recommend that podcast now because like oh, wow. that is doing <laughs> a better that. service yeah. than like me trying to explain this stuff. So like you guys really are killing it. 
and, and I just want to encourage you guys with that because it's it's really sweet. Yeah, For sure. We, we, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Johnny, do you have anything else to say? No, I just really appreciate you, you know, making the time out. I mean, guys, you know, you guys may not know this, but we're on the West Coast and right now it's, yeah. it's late for us, but that means it's later by three hours for Edge. And so I know that you have work tomorrow. But <laughs> yep. We have yeah. a Vulcan to build tomorrow. Oh, man. Well, if, you, if your manager gets mad at you, just, you know, have him call us and then we'll interview him as well. So. <laughs> yeah. So preferably somebody that was working on the Delta two though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know if you want to, you don't have to at all. If you have like any social media or anything like that, that you do want to drop and get your name out there. But if you don't, that's totally okay as well. But if you do want to, because you do end up deciding to start that media <laughs> content, whatever that is, feel free to. I don't have any social media, you guys. Thank you for the thank you for the shout, but I, I don't. I don't. No uh, worries, no worries. For sure. All right. And on I on that note, I think we're done here. All right. I guess that means we're uh we're out. All right. Later guys. Peace.